What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics that the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Sales and Marketing Bill Freedom Podcast. <clears throat> I got a really special guest today with Van West, the CEO and founder of Vocalytics, and also one of the founding members for the Open Voice Network. So really excited to get into a lot of details around voice AI today and other areas because Van's got an incredibly interesting background and he's getting into things that are, are pretty exciting right now and all the rage. So Van, happy to have you on, man. Welcome. Hey, Ryan, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Really glad we connected here and really excited to be here and uh, and share my journey with the audience. Yeah, I'm, and I think a lot of folks, just the feedback I've gotten are, are super excited to hear it. So why don't we just kick things off with that, man? Why don't we, why don't you give a little bit of insight in terms of what you're, you know, kind of where you start your superhero origin stories, but I always like to kick it off with, I, I liked superheroes when I was a, a kid, so I got that kind of nerdish side into me. So yeah, why don't we kick it off with that and then uh, give everybody a little background on you. Happy to, you know, everybody has their own origin story and, uh, and so mine's incredibly unique just as everyone's is. Uh, I also feel like we've all got different steps in the journey that, that we're on that overall each one of those can be its own influential origin story. You know, Vocalytics for me personally, its origin story, its origin story really started probably two years ago. And, you know, officially about two and a half, maybe two and a half years ago, but really officially about a year and a half back when we decided to take that forward. I've been a builder my entire life, grew up playing with Legos, thought I was going to be an architect in high school. The drafting teacher said, hey, you're, you're going to uh, you're going to Cal Poly, you're, you're going out there and, and you're going to build buildings and structures. Early 20s, ended up getting more into marketing and uh, building brands for Omnicom agencies by the time I was in my mid twenties, I'd worked for a handful of startups, and you know, really got tired of the marketing side of the business and being kind of another another number in the cog. So, really wanted to step more into an active business development and sales role, have more influence on building an actual business. And you know, from there, I really found my origin story. My my calling was building companies. At the end of the day. And when it comes down to building companies, you know, I've had a handful of ventures over my tenure over the last probably 10, 12 years of my life, raised some venture, brought products to market, built solutions, both consumer and then enterprise. And in the last probably six years, really fallen into and really loved going into that enterprise space, specifically as an enterprise SaaS, uh, I don't know, aficionado personally, and just proving value at the very top tier of industry. And so, you know, had a lot of great success um, five or six years ago. I was the first key hire into a computer vision startup where we took dumb security cameras. We made them smart, essentially, um, just tapped in at the switch level and just looked at the frames and the pixels and said, these are people, these are cars, these are the traffic flows, traffic patterns, movement, footfall, all of that kind of more marketing and operational data and unlocking that value from existing security assets. So, you know, I kind of ran all global biz dev. And at that stage, when I'm kind of the first key hire outside the founders, I was also 
pretty influential building the product as well. So it was kind of running that side of the business, communicating with engineering as well as with our customers and sourcing those pain points and selling them at the end of the day. So we had incredible success in scaling into the likes of local down here in, in OC, um, mm-hmm. a very large property management and ownership firm, uh, also Fortune One, all the way through a handful of brands that are actually based out in Europe as well in national retail and, uh, and, and retail environments. But commercial real estate is really where we found our niche. I realized that there was a, a big point here that this was kind of the part of the origin story of, of uh, Vocalytics a handful of years ago before we'd even started this, realized integrating with these security cameras, most of them have an embedded bike on board, but nobody's really accessing that data or putting it to use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, realized a couple of years ago that the, uh, the technology is finally available. It's accessible. You got over 100 million smart speakers in the world. Really, all that means is there's connected microphones everywhere embedded in security cameras, more than 2 billion security cameras in the world. How can we leverage this data for enterprise intelligence? And that's really where Vocalytics started. 2 billion security cameras. That's, more that's <laughs> yeah, well, that we know of, right? There's, I'm sure there's a lot more than that. So that's interesting and scary at the same time that literally what, there's 7 billion people now, 8 billion people somewhere in there, 6 billion, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> there's... There's okay. So, so real quick before we, cause I want to hear more about like Vocalytics in kind of the voice AI space, but like when you're talking to enterprise SaaS, I got a soft spot in my heart. I love selling big deals. Um, spent a large portion of my life doing that. So with that, what, what were kind of like the average deal sizes that you were looking at or what would you consider enterprise SaaS just so we could define it for the audience? Yeah, I mean, I would say when you're selling to literally Fortune One, if you're familiar, it's a it's a blue and yellow company based out in Bentonville, Arkansas. <laughs> I, I think all of us on this uh, on this chat today uh, understand who that is. When you're selling to those guys, they're not buying an SMB solution. They're not buying something that's built for the individual or for the worker or even the team. They're buying something that's built to influence their business, whether it comes to customer experience within the stores or online, or if it comes down to supply chain logistics and operations, um, tying them all together. I, I'd say when it comes down to big deals, it's those, I would say seven to eight figure that I have most of my experience in driving over the last at least five or six years. Yeah. Now that, that aligns because that, that was kind of the size of the deals that, that we worked on as well ranging all the way up to 20 million. So it gets exciting. There's a lot of time invested, a lot of different people you need to work with and pretty much everything that you would expect not to happen happens and vice versa. So uh, it's a roller coaster, but it's highly rewarding when you bring them in. So, uh, so obviously, you know, maybe that's it's a little biased towards you. You got the same kind of background as me. So, so talk to us a little bit about voice AI. So in, in before I, I turn it back over to you, one of the big things is that with um, the voice AI, and a lot of people don't make this this connection, and I'd be curious on your take on this, is, you know, you see Clubhouse valued at, I think it's $4 billion now, right? Where it was just a billion, I think, a couple months ago. Everybody and their mother is basically coming up with their Clubhouse copycat, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Reddit, you name it. Everybody's got one now, or they're starting to create one. And so, um, 
I'm sure that's created positive momentum, but what's your take on all of that? Which what's just like kind of your feedback on that motion towards that area? You know, it's interesting. Twitter started out really as a broadcast platform, kind of a, a I want to say dispatch, but really a broadcast platform to say you can speak or really text in 140 characters to the universe. This is my thought on this, or this is something I want to share with, I don't know, the world of the internet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go back even further from that and you look at Sprint and Nextel and they had those flip phones for construction workers where you had that, you know, push to talk feature. I mean, it, that idea has been around for such a long time. I think Clubhouse is really innovated in a ton of ways. And I'm honestly not as active on there as I'd like to be, just finding the time for it between board meetings, customers, bringing a, a startup to market, fundraising and everything I'm doing on the regular and, uh, and having great conversations like with yourself right now. Um, haven't had as much time to dive really into Clubhouse as much, but I, I do know that what they've done is they've taken technology that's widely available essentially your mobile phone that's in your pocket created an app and a platform to broadcast yourself as a thought leader and um, engage in, in fantastic conversations with uh, incredible individuals. And so, you know, whether it's listening in with Elon Musk or Justin Bieber or any one of the celebrities that's, or, or tech evangelist that's been on that platform, they've created a ton of demand because you know, suddenly now there's a calling for that great content on a fantastic platform where, you know, you can create a group simple to create a, simple to create a, a simple Slack group or a Slack team and broadcast that to that audience. But it's more internal. It's less external. And this is more just external for anyone to engage in a conversation. So I, I think they've brought a lot of great things, a, a lot of fantastic value to the market. That's why everyone's starting to pick up on. Well, and, and as a, a positive byproduct, I'm sure it's pretty noise to to what you're doing. And I love that, you know, your go-to-market is enterprise-based, very vertically focused. So can you just walk folks through what that kind of looks like and what you're doing to scale revenue right now? Yeah, I'd say we're a very solutions-oriented company. That's uh, Historically, that's been my background. It's less of a services company, more of just a solutions-oriented and I'd say we fit into specific use cases as buckets. So our technology at Vocalytics, we basically turn dumb noise into intelligent sounds. We listen in in any given environment and really try and understand using machine learning, artificial intelligence in a number of ways to not just clean up the background noise, but to classify it. We've got a portfolio of more than 500 ambient acoustic sounds where outside of this conversation, there's you know a car driving by on the streets. There's a siren, there's a bird chirping, there's someone coughing or speaking or or whatnot behind you. It's understanding those behaviors, those activities, and, and really understanding the environments that those are occurring in as well. So as an example, kind of really the, the vertical that we're most focused on, and mm-hmm. a lot of my background speaks to PropTech, um, since we were wildly successful with that last venture, integrating with those security cameras to produce safety and security moments or to really understand and classify those safety and security moments. So whether it's broken glass that could be within a mall or within a, a retail environment for slip and fall that you know could have contained some kind of liquid in it, or it's you know theft, or it's you know active shooter detection from understanding the distance and the direction and classifying an actual weapon type based on the actual waveform. On, in real time, right there on the edge, 
all this processing is done right there within the facility, within the four walls of that facility. So I'd say commercial real estate is really our focus, but getting more granular from there, if you look at the last year, healthcare facilities have been so overrun with this pandemic that there's definitely no shortage of caregivers. Right, frankly, there, there's a massive shortage of caregivers, but there's no shortage of, of um, opportunities to, to provide value for them with mm-hmm. sound. You know, if you think about senior living as an example, being able to understand respiratory distress, coughing, wheezing, heavy breathing, even the sound of a laugh or, or uh, a clearing of the throat, those can all sound very similar to the human ear. If you close your eyes and just imagine those sounds, they can all sound very similar. We can actually recognize and identify each of those moments, those critical moments, the severity of them, the frequency of them, and send a real-time alert for critical care intervention when grandma may be having respiratory distress or you know, when, she, when there's a bump or a thud and there's wheezing, maybe even a cry for help because she may have fallen and she's now crying for help. Rather than trying to press a life alert device and hold it in for a few seconds and there's alarm going off and people running around, what's going on? How can we help? Oh, it's just broken glass. Oh, well, let me go grab a let me go grab a broom real quick. We're providing that intelligence so when they walk into the space, they know what to do. They know how to react. So, and that's like fascinating. So, how is that intelligence built, right? Because I mean, five hundred different verbal cues, right, or verbal noises, or ambient noise. I can't even express it as, as explicitly as you did. So, how does that build? How is that library so that you could take those noises and, and translate that into a result? You know, you'd be surprised. Um, the likes of Amazon Alexa and the major smart speaker players, as well as a lot of voice technology has focused on, you know, understanding that your security camera that you probably got at your house today as a consumer. You know, I got a handful of wise cams around the house, but Arlo and, uh, you know, the, all the other manufacturers do them as well. In terms of sound detection, there's a dog barking, there's birds chirping, it runs computer vision, it sees people, it sees cars, object detection, and otherwise package detection on some of the new stuff. But, you know, for us, it's really focusing on those background sounds to interpret that value. And we're not focused on dogs barking as much today, or even like a car backfiring necessarily. But because we analyze such a massive portfolio of sounds, we do it at such a high percentile in accuracy. Some of them are actually above 97%. And this is all in real time, completely offline, running on a tiny little device that's about the same size as a case of AirPods. Even though we're not a hardware company, it's like, hey, you want to prove this out in the first phase of this deployment? Not a pilot or POC, because those are those are dirty words. <laughs> um, but when you want to prove it out, it's easy to say, we're plug and play. We'll show you the value. And then we can scale this into your existing infrastructure. So for us, because we have that large portfolio, it's like a car backfiring. If you're an active shooter, just as an example, if you're looking for active shooter and you're classifying all the weapons, and you're able to get all of that, you're still probably not understanding the difference between a car backfiring or you know certain types of explosions that may or may not be a gunshot. Those types of events, if you're not accurately classifying each of them with a high enough probability, then you're probably getting a lot of false alerts. So that's the biggest reason why we have such a massive library and it's only growing on a daily basis and classifying more and more sounds to get more granular into the accuracy of those specific ones that are most influential for for business cases like health or for safety or for security. You know, I can tell you water 
there's like six or seven different types of water related sounds, water splashing, water flushing, water dripping. You know, those are three of, of just under 10 different water sound or, or liquid sound classifications that we have within our library that, you know, gets into leak detection and slip and fall, you know, lots of different solutions oriented just around those specific edge use cases or edge classifications, I should say. Okay. And that's, that's fascinating. It, it sounds like there's so much good that can be done with this as well, just in terms of like, I mean, you mentioned senior living, you know, you have folks that don't see people a lot, right. And, and they can be alone and something could happen or you talk about active shooters, which I'm sure is applicable to schools as well. Right. Having, having to have that focus. So look at FedEx. I mean, it's applicable to, to so many facilities, just, just the physical world. That's what we focus on. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what's your thoughts on with this? And you, you mentioned Alexa and um, as an area, or I should say something that collects noise and voice. I mean, what's your thoughts when it comes down to all this with privacy? I'm really glad you went there because if you didn't, I was going to. There is more than a handful of reasons why we designed everything to be compute right there on the edge within the four walls of the facility when nothing necessarily even needs to hit the cloud. And you're not a streaming service like Amazon Alexa devices and most most smart speakers are. But to be able to do all of that processing completely local running tiny ML keeps the data that much more secure, keeps the privacy concerns that much safer when you're doing the processing local. Aside from that, we're not actually looking at the words. So, you know, if you think about it, we're a lot like an air quality sensor for any given environment, also not recognizing the user. That's kind of the third layer. So if there's three people in a room and one person's coughing, you know, 20 times in 20 seconds, they're expelling some contagions into that space. COVID or otherwise, we're not classifying it as this person has COPD or asthma or might be a smoker. We're just saying there's contagions floating around the space. So like in a return to work environment, classify that, send an alert out for janitorial, isolate those individuals in that space and the space, get it deep clean, get them tested before anyone else is exposed. That's a little bit more of a return to campus or return to uh, return to work solution that we've been able to get to market and actually actively deploy it in the last you know, six, eight, six to eight months mm-hmm. uh, and effectively prove that we can stop the spread and really contain those wildfires before it breaks out. Those, those temperature checks and thermometers, we're another tool in that tool belt. We're not there to replace them as, you know, there's lots of different reasons for, fal- for false positives, why a temperature check, why your body temperature may be elevated. But just as a solution, um, you know, that's, that's one of the many use cases that, uh, that we can dive into that we've been frankly working on and, and actually actively deploying over the last six, eight months. Okay. That's awesome. So here's a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> uh, do you, so do you have um, an Alexa in your house and are you comfortable with that in light of knowing what you know? <laughs> you know, uh, because I am an entrepreneur and a technologist and I happen to work in this space, uh, the only one I don't have is a Google home. Okay. I've got a handful of home pods, which in my opinion are um, the most private and anonymous and safe and secure of all the major smart speakers that are out there. But I do have, and I have had a series of Alexas around my house. Um, frankly, I keep most of them muted. Like 
the, the one that's here in my office is muted right now. <laughs> uh, had I just said the name, it would have gone off. But you know, I've got Siri running on all my devices too. So at the end of the day, I'd like to keep the the availability and understanding of these are the these are the newest features, and this is how these guys are trying to innovate in a, more of a forward thinking or you know trying to to play into that gray area of privacy just a little bit more so we can constantly be at the forefront of all of that. Again, we process everything on the edge. We don't have to pipe anything up to the cloud at Vocalytics. We built it with privacy as a human right. It's a fundamental pillar of how we've architected all of Vocalytics. We do it on the edge, so everything's processed here, local. We also don't recognize a unique user within any given space. And then the third piece is that, you know, we actually redact, and before we do, we normalize speech. So we'll tag it as male speech, female speech, child speech, as a start and a stop. Imagine the waveform and the audio file. We'll normalize the speech, and then we'll actually redact it entirely. So there's no words that we can even understand. We just understand the sounds that words make. Okay, gotcha. And that's awesome. And that's beautiful. It sounds like you're taking a very socially responsible approach towards it, which I think is excellent. Um, so let me ask you this. So shifting gears a little bit, how, like with your experience in, in enterprise SaaS, how do you think that prepared you for what you're doing now? Really good question. <laughs> you know, um, I don't envision Vocalytics becoming a consumer facing product for quite some time. And, you know, I can see us focusing on the enterprise, but I can also see us proving value and having to shift into more of a user experience driven model or investing more heavily on the user experience as, you know, an aging population is here and it's only growing Mm -hmm. the just care facilities, senior living and otherwise are constantly overrun. They're constantly at capacity. You look at the next 10 years, there's going to be more adults over the age of 65 and less physicians able to care for them. So the market's going to shift. And really, frankly, it's already started to shift into out of facilities and into the home. It's much more comfortable for, for grandma or grandpa to continue the rest of their life in. It's, you know, not facility driven, but to enable them with technologies where, you know, frankly, my uh, my mom moved in with me a couple years ago, two and a half years ago or so. And I'm striving every day to make sure that she has the best possible quality of life um, living here with me and, and just together in general. But if I wasn't here and, you know, as an entrepreneur, you got to travel around sourcing those big deals. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I wasn't here, then I'd also want that security to understand when an event happens that someone's there to care for her, whether it's doctor, cl- clinician, physician, or some kind of a caregiver or having some kind of a, an alert or a pulse on her health to go out that she doesn't act, even have to engage with at all. I'm a very big believer that, you know, real-time call guidance in terms of uh, call center AI, fantastic solutions exist in the market today and they have for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, but Nuance just got acquired by Microsoft for some obscene yeah. number. Like so million or something like that, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that they did that as a play, actually, believe it or not, into healthcare um, from, from what I've read from the deal so far, since Nuance has such a strong foothold in that market around voice. But just generally speaking, that real-time call guidance is influencing that that bias of 
you know, how we're conversing right now, if there was a script up next to me that I was reading off to you and then it was changing or it was saying speak slower or speak faster in the moments, it's actually influencing the way I'm speaking to you right now, whether that's positive or negative, that's still be to be determined by the end of the call or by the end of that interaction. So I personally believe that ambience, just passive ways of not necessarily just monitoring, but being able to understand, analyze and interpret behaviors or environments, actions, activities are, are so much more powerful than asking someone to click through a script or, or to, to have that biased real-time guidance. You're not actually establishing a baseline unless you're actually having an organic interaction. Then you can measure how successful that interaction was and improve it and coach around it. So, you know, my experience in enterprise SaaS, you know, going into prop tech, integrating with physical world infrastructure to extrapolate value from uh, an artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, leveraging those technologies to extract value from existing assets and understanding that we're at the ground level of the Empire State Building, Mr. And Mrs. Customer. I'm going to sell you through the roof and we're going to walk on this journey together. But understand that today we start here. We're sitting in table on the, on the first floor. Mm-hmm. And even though I understand that my technology today may be an idea, a proof of concepts, an MVP, maybe even pre-MVP, <laughs> uh, more, of, uh, more of an alpha I know it's below my feet right now, but you believe it's here at the table. And this is where we start on this journey through the moon. So for me, it's, it's being able to walk through that journey, have an understanding and expectation and communication line that's open and realistic with my engineering team. My partner, Isaac's fantastic on that side of the business in terms of delivery, but it's always helpful to manage expectations externally so you can manage them appropriately internally as well. So I'd say that that kind of cross-functional uh, mentality and having a little bit more of a growth mindset and, and being willing to share and learn from any given audience, yours included right now, my friends, um, that's, uh, that, that's, those have all been elements that have helped me along my journey. Yeah. No, and, it, and that's great feedback. I mean, you deal with some of the biggest companies in the world and you have to deal with all different levels, all different types of people. So that definitely crosses over into entrepreneurship and, and building a company and, and growing it. So um, we're almost up on time and I have a few more questions for you. So what, how is the market responding to this right now? And I guess like what's kind of your, your sales and marketing motion to increase adoption? Great question. And, you know, I'll, I'll go back to something you mentioned at the, at the very earliest piece. When it comes down to, so adoption. When we had this idea two and a half years ago, maybe two years ago, and really decided to test it with some friendly accounts, we were like, hey, we stumbled into a great technology, but we don't want to build it without understanding that it's proving value to an audience. So we mm-hmm. took some off the shelf stuff, meshed it together, some Amazon stuff, some, some Google stacks, some IBM Watson stuff, and some off the shelf components. And really just said, hey, look, is this data of value to you without taking it too extreme on more of a project basis? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'd say today we've started turning on that sales and marketing engine. Um, We were in stealth for over a year, completely just relationally driven. I would say that today we've got the former founding chief innovation officer of the VA that we are actively engaging with the VA on a regular basis. And likely by the end of the year, we'll be under contracts 
with you know one of the largest <laughs> entities in the world. I'm just going to say entities because I don't even know how, how else to classify them. Government entities. Um, not to mention in the last year and a half since we incorporated, we did win a phase one cyber through AFWorks. We've submitted a couple direct to phase twos this quarter. We've been recognized by South by Southwest and Enterprise and Smart Data and gone through Techstars. That whole experience raised some early pre-seed capital. But really, we've started to hit our stride in understanding that the market, the world, society that we're living in today has to be built towards the new normal, not the last normal that we all grew up in. So understanding that the world's going to reopen in the next three months, you know, by June, July, most of America is going to be vaccinated and we're basically going to be operating our daily lives. We're still going to have social distancing. We're still going to be wearing masks for the next year or so. We're still probably going to get COVID boosters. If you've gotten a vaccine or not, you're probably going to have to get one every year. Right. But at the end of the day, that's, that's that new normal we're building towards. And the, what we've learned from the market is that, you know, senior living, specifically senior living, but care facilities in general, they struggled with testing around when this thing hit. So that the testing operations, that was a big challenge at our earliest stage of building the solution. They, they all said there wasn't a single one that said, no, this isn't useful. This isn't impactful to my business or couldn't be or won't be. Every single one said, yes, 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 we want more. But let's hold off for a second because COVID hit. We don't know how to get people tested. Uh, we got to make sure the testing is accurate and we got to get through those operations. So we took this last year and did a lot of customer development. That was part of the Techstars and the United Healthcare relationship was having 130 customer development interviews in three weeks going into the program. What they call Mentor Madness was incredibly wow. influential to help us refine what is our value prop, what is our pitch, what specific use cases are useful today to apply this technology, and what could be opportunities in the future for preventative, predictive maintenance, energy management. Those are far future for us to say that we've got a, a real opportunity right now to provide some incredible value for health, safety, and security of the world that we're living in. I'm going to say COVID and beyond. And then branching out into customer experience and a couple of those other buckets later on down the line. Powerful, man. And, and Deepesh is loving it. I don't know if you know Deepesh, but he's 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 loving it. He's he's lighting it up. Um, hey. <laughs> so hey, man. I mean, here's what I would say is like I think I think, um, and I'm you know <laughs> I'm I'm no predictor of the future, but I think you're hitting your stride, and the opportunity is like perfect timing for what you're doing. I don't think COVID is going to make it any easier. I don't think, like you're saying, it's, it's not going to instantly go away. It's going to be around, it seems like, for a while in some way, shape, or form. Who knows what that's going to look like. But to have something in place like this, um, especially for the older population, is just, I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's, it's going to impact a lot of people's lives in a positive way. And I can tell how passionate you are about it because, like, even when we spoke before, um, you know, you were, you were lighting up and hitting on all cylinders. We were just talking offline. So, so Van is basically what he is representing here. He's got a big heart. He's trying to make some good things happen. And so, uh, I appreciate you, man. Um, so where can people find you? Where can they learn more about Vocalytics and kind of what you're doing? And, um, can you, can you share that with everybody? Happy to. Um, so you can learn more about Vocalytics on Vocalytics.ai. It's not .com, it's .ai. So V-O-C-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S. It's like vocal analytics without the A <laughs> and the N. 
Uh, so vocalytics.ai. Also find me here on LinkedIn, uh, just Van J West or Van West, uh, LinkedIn forward slash in dot com forward slash in forward slash Van J West. Feel free to reach out with me, uh, reach out directly to me. Feel free to shoot me an email as well. Van at vocalytics.ai. Excellent, man. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. It was a ton of fun. Every time I talk to you, I learned something new. So appreciate you and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Love to. Absolutely. Hey, Ryan, really appreciate you having me on and, and really enjoyed it as well. All right. Sounds good, Van. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I want to ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.